these are days that I believe if anybody ever needed some encouragement. The Bible said in the last days, the love of many will wax cold and many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. In the book of Luke, he raises the question. He said, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith in the earth? Now, he's not talking about salvation faith because the Bible said that he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And I believe there's going to be people getting saved right on up to the very end. In fact, that last person to be saved, the bride will be completed and the Lord Jesus Christ to come. But he's talking about faith among God's people. And I see not only the rise of wickedness in America, but I see the cooling of the love of the saints. I see the lack of faith in the hearts of people. And when you see something like Stillwater and how God's people have come together, when you come to Benson Grove Baptist Church and you see this building and you see, you see how God's blessed financially and that outreach ministers of this church, how many young preachers and old preachers that we've got that's going out preaching and nursing home ministries and singing groups and yet and, and going around the world to reach souls for Christ. You ought to be feel like you're blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be here. I I'm, I'm thank God for it. But I'm going to tell you what God's doing here. He can do anywhere. If God's people would look to him, he's not gone out of business. He's still on the throne. He's still able to save to the uttermost all that call upon him. And he still wants to. Look in the book of Mark, please, if you will, chapter number two. In Mark chapter two, I, I want to look at this passage of scripture together. Here's a very familiar passage of scripture to some of you. It says in the book of Mark chapter two, and, and, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, uh, broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there was certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sin be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose and took up his bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Will you bow with me for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for the wonderful singing of the choir this morning, the congregational singing for Brother Brad and God for the gift of, that you've given to this church and he and his family. I want to thank you, our Father, for Brother Danny singing and God for touching him and blessing our hearts and reminding us that we have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we able to ask a thing. And God, I would pray that God, not only would you bless in this place, not only on this hill, not only God, that people would come and hear the word of God here 
and be saved and God to grow in the word of God and grow in the Lord and then to be witnesses and have their own ministry to reach out and touch lives for Christ, whether they, they be a housewife or a trucker or a student, but God, that they would be witnesses for Christ wherever they go. And then God, we, we thank you for that. And I pray God that Lord, out of this ministry, that God, that you would Lord reach around the world. And I pray God, especially in these days that God churches and pastors and congregations that are defeated and despondent and despairing. God, that somehow you'd use the ministries of this church, our Father, to stir a fire in the hearts and lives of hundreds of other churches. Our Father, we pray, God, that, Lord, you'd send revival and that, God, what you're doing here and what you're going to do here, our Father, would be multiplied a thousand times over as through the ministries and the individuals of this church. God, we reach into other places to stir hearts for your glory. And I pray, God, that you'd help us, that, God, that you, we could see your hand, God, that you could save that you can heal and that God, you can do the impossible. And I pray God that now you'd bless and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. There's another parable and it's called the parable of the great supper. And he says that he, he prepared a great supper. Everything was ready. And he sent out his servant to bid those that were invited. And one by one, they began to make excuse and said, no, we can't come. We can't come. We can't come. And so then he said, he said, go out now into the streets and uh, to bid them to come in. And so they went and they came back and they said, Lord, there's still room. He said, well, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house might be filled. I, just from that little simple story, there's some things I, I want to draw. I believe this. Number one, I, I believe that God would have all of his meeting places, all of what we call the house of God, all the place where his name's glorified, his words preached, I believe he'd have it to be filled. I've always believed that's why he gave you so many pews. I believe that's why he gave us such a, a nice building is that we might fill the house for the glory of God and win the souls for Christ. The second thing I draw from that is this, that you must not be discouraged at, pe at people who do not respond. I, I find people in, even in pulpits who have tried to minister and tried to labor and they've invited folk to come and they tried to pray and they tried to do and they can't seem to get anybody to come. And so they just settle down. And so here's their philosophy. We're now interested in quality and not in quantity. Now that, let me tell you something. There, the Bible said you preach the gospel to every creature. Then you teach them to observe all things. That's the quality. He wants every Christian to develop and to grow. And then he said, and then he said this. He said, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're to baptize them. And they're, the, they're the part of that body of believers. But there's no excuse for ever saying we can't reach anybody else. This is all we've got. And what we're going to do, we're going we're to spit shine the ones we've got. And when Jesus comes, we'll have some trophies to show and say, look, look here, Lord, we don't have many, but we've got one or two. And they are really dedicated Christians. Number one, it's impossible to be a really dedicated Christian without being a missionary, without being an evangelist. If you're going to do what Jesus does, if you're going to live like Christ, if you're going to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to have the heart of God. And the Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ is not willing that any should perish. 
And so there is in that Christian who's developed spiritually, not that he's got a lot of head knowledge, not that he knows all the truths of the Bible and he can sit around somewhere and be some hypocritical uh, Bible scholar and boast about what he knows. But he's somebody who his soul is saturated with the word of God and he has been set on fire with the power of the precious Holy Spirit of God to proclaim the truth that God showed him from the word of God and to reach others. The Bible said in the book of Acts, the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit of God, the Acts of the Apostles, it says all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And so what Christ did, he taught others to do what he was doing. And so I learned from that little parable that God wants his house filled. He wants us not just to be uh, cop out and say, we're going to have quality and not quantity. I believe you ought to have the quality so you can reach more people for the glory of God. And that's God's plan. That's God's way. I do want to say this to you. I do know that there is a great difference between a crowd and a congregation. You can get a crowd with a performance. Uh, and uh, if you, uh, or personality, you can get a crowd with that, whether it's a, a singing personality or preaching personality, you can get that. Now we got a good crowd here this morning. I thank God for it. It's a, it's a good crowd here. Thank you for being here. And I know we've got a lot of folk out for various reasons. Some on vacation, some are sick and, and we've had the two deaths in our church family, but we've got a good crowd. And, but if we had Scotty McCurry this morning, I advertised on the news, you think we'd have a pretty good crowd here? I think so. I think we'd have to open these doors up, had chairs up and down the hall and all out in the vestibule and all around here. We'd have to have Johnson County Sheriff's Department over here directing traffic. And I like Scotty. I do like Scotty. I think he's a saved young man. I believe he loves the Lord. A testimony I've heard and then a testimony of some of his very close friends said he's real and genuine. And so you can get a crowd with personality. You can get a crowd with a performance. But you can only have a congregation by the power of the risen Christ. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference. The Holy Spirit of God working in this place. In this passage of scripture, there's some wonderful lessons in Mark chapter two. I want us to draw quickly. How is it that, and, and this has been my burden since I've been gone. I, I, people ask me, did we have anybody saved? As far as I know, I only had one lost man in the services in Mariana. One lost man. He came two nights. The church had been praying for him. He's, he's gone through a lot in his life. He's a very hard, difficult man. But I'm praying that God will save him. Nobody else raised their hand. And, and Brad and I kind of chuckled about that because we realize that although people don't always raise their hand, there's some folks that's lost, even church members uh, who are there. That's always the case. But my heart, my burden was to challenge and stir and excite God's people because I believe these are the last days. And the Bible said that we ought not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that we ought to exhort one another and provoke one another to love and to good works. And so that, that was my thrust. That was what God put in my heart. That I wanted to exhort and to provoke to love and to good works. To challenge people to do that. And so, but if you're going to see a, a, the church house filled. If, if, if you're going to see people and you say, well, that's not my job, preacher. Well, yes, it is too. Yes, it is too. Your job is to reach folk for Christ. I was telling the church down there about death. I preached on death in one of the services. I actually preached on heaven. And I remembered we had a man named Mr. Land, L-A-N-D, Land. He and his wife, Dot. They joined our church in, in Reedsville, North Carolina. They'd never been around anything like us. They'd had some religious background, but nothing like a Baptist church where the word of God's preached and the, and the power of God was real. And there was an excitement about serving the Lord. These folk, when they joined our church, they were in their late 60s. 
And I'll tell you one thing, they got on fire for Jesus. And I was looking back at the back road near where uh, Rick and Paula are at this morning. And I remember Dot and, 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 and Mr. Curtis Land. And it was just a matter of weeks that they'd been there. And they had three full rows of folk they had brought to the house of God. Boy, they got on fire. You know why? Because they had found something they wanted somebody else to have. Somebody else to have. Can I say something to you? You've got a neighbor, you've got a loved one, you've got a family member. Everything else you do will not make any difference. It, it's a good thing to, to help in physical ways and education, all those things. But when they come, it comes down to dying. What really matters is if they're going to go to heaven or to hell. And if you really get on fire for the Lord, that's going to be your first priority. And you've got to have an intense desire. Now, preachers have to keep that. I, I, I'm telling you. And Sunday school teachers have to get that. You'll get to where you, you, don't, you don't have a vision to reach out. And churches will get to where they don't have a desire to reach out. But my dear friend, there must be a desire for the, for the supernatural work of God and for the presence and power of God in the services. Now, how is that going to happen? There's some simple lessons in this that I've read to you in Mark chapter 2 I want us to draw. Notice what it says in this passage of Scripture. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as by the door. Boy, listen, the, he filled the house. The house was filled. I believe there are at least three things that caused that house to be filled. And those principles will work, I don't care if it's in Ponce de Leon, Florida, or Pontiac, Michigan. I don't care if it's in New York City or in Tampa, Florida. I don't care if it's in Manila, in the Philippines, or if it's in Minnesota. The same three things will make a difference wherever people are at if they have a desire to see God work move. Number one, Number one, if we're ever going to continue to see this house filled and thank God that we're just about filled this morning, but there's plenty of room. We could get other folks in here. But if you're going to, if you in your life and your ministry, if you're going to see things happen for the glory of God, there must be this. Number one, in this passage of scripture, there must be an exalting of the person of Christ. Notice what it says in this passage of scripture. It was noise that he was in the house. The exalting of the person of Christ. They did not come to see the furnishings. They did not come to see some new picture that was hanging on the wall of this house. They did not come to eat the food, though they may have had fried chicken and banana pudding. That's not why they came. They came because he was in the house. And I am convinced that men and women, boys and girls, if the real presence and presence of Christ is in a place that he will draw all men unto him. And that comes by God's people exalting the person of Christ. He was in the house. It was noised abroad that he was there, not the preacher. Didn't say much about the preacher. Didn't say much about the, the, the woman who kept the house or, or anything else. And, and thank God that we have talented musicians and thank God that we've got, uh, uh, wonderful music and we've got great teachers. But I'm going to tell you what makes a difference is when a church 
will emphasize the person of Christ. Jesus Christ makes the difference. He's the way, the truth, and the life. When you come down to die, it doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Methodist or whatever you are. The Bible said, he that hath the Son hath life. And if you don't have the Son of God, you don't have any life. He's the one that makes the difference. He's the one that changes. He's the one that, that will make a life different and complete all over again. He's the one who will take a, a moonshiner and a, a prisoner and transform him, make him a loving, caring dad and a, and, a, and a grandfather that children can look up to and say, I want to be like my granddaddy and end up in the gospel ministry, preaching the gospel. I tell you, God can do that. He's the only one who can. And when you exalt the person of Christ, God will do that. It's not when we emphasize our buildings, not when we emphasize anything else. But he said in John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Can I say something to you? The answer is not in Vincent Grove Baptist Church. It's in the person of Christ. He can forgive you and save you. He'll make you a brand new Christian. You can go anywhere. You can leave. My dear friend, listen, we, if we learn anything, we ought to learn from the recent tornadoes that everything that you've got can be gone in 15 seconds or less. Everything you've got. Your whole life can be changed. You can lose everything in 15 seconds. But you'll never lose your salvation if you get saved by the grace of God. You'll have that for all eternity. You may lose your health. You may lose everything. But my dear friend, Jesus Christ said, He that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. And he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. It is the person of Christ. I, I thank God for, for the opportunity to minister in so many different ways. I thank God for all the, the outreach of our church and our ministry. But we're not inviting people to come and just be part of a happy group of people. Although we are happy. Are you happy? Say amen. amen. Not, not just because we have a caring church. And, and God knows my heart. I don't know of a church anywhere that loves and cares for people as much as Benson Grove does. And it's not just me. I'm not just prejudiced because I've been here for all these 14 years. But we have visitors and guests who come. And they said, we can't believe the way we are accepted and the way that people love us. And that is positive And that's all great. And that's all good. But the reason we care and the reason we love and the reason we do what we do is because of Jesus. And you may not always be here. You may. Your job may take you to California or somewhere else. And you can't carry Benson Grove Baptist with you, although we are on the Internet and you could take CDs. But my dear friend, you tell you what you can do. You can carry Jesus or Jesus will carry you around the world. And he'll be real wherever you go. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Can I say something to you? He's the answer to whatever your need is. He is the answer. Are you lost this morning? Have you got sin in your heart and your life and you want to be changed? My dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who can do that. Do you have a heavy burden? He said, if you cast all your cares on me, he said, I care for you. And he said, he, and he that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you'll come to him this morning. My dear friend, if you're going to have, if we're going to ever see the house continue to be filled and wherever you go and wherever you minister, the thing is to exalt Christ. Singers exalt Christ. Magnify Christ. I hear a lot of singing, Southern gospel singing. They don't have a thing in the world to do with Christ. And I know that they pick songs, not because of the truth that's in it, but because of the technique that it requires to sing the song. They want people to know their range. They want people to know that they can sing down here and sing up there too. And, and it's not just the emotionalism or the excitement of it. And I, if anything in the world makes you excited, it ought to be the person, the presence of Christ. 
But my dear friend, that's not the thing. It is the message of the song that makes the difference. I don't believe you ought to stand you know, like, a, like a scarecrow or something and try to sing. I believe whatever's inside of you ought to be visible. But my dear friend, it is the message of the song. That's why the old hymns have lasted so long. It's not the, not the melody line. It's the message that's in the song. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stains. A grace is amazing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And thank God there is a place called heaven. heaven. And when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. It's the messages of the song that have lived. My dear friend, and when you, when you preach, it's the person of Christ. On the way to heaven is Jesus. On the way to peace is Jesus. The only way to have fulfilled life is Christ. You'll be perfect in him. He is the message. And, 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 and this little truth in this, what brought the crowd to the house was him. Him. And we ought to learn something from that. We ought to learn something for that. God's spirit and presence is real. And where he's at, where he's exalted, he said, I will draw all men unto me. He'll do that. Look again, if you will, please, in this passage of scripture. Notice what it says in verse number two. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. But no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. My dear friend, listen, if we're going to keep the house filled, it must not only be to exalt the person of Christ, but it must also be to emphasize the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he preach? What did he preach? He preached eternal values. He preached what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world? And lose his own soul. I mean, listen, God's good. God blesses and he's and, and, and thank God he's been so good to all of us more than we ever deserve physically and financially every other way. But my dear friend, listen, he taught that the, temp, the, the, the eternal is more important than the temporal. He taught that if you gain the whole world, lose your own soul, it's profited you nothing. He taught that you ought to be saved and you ought to be born again by the grace of God. He taught that he was the only way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know the text of his sermon. I don't, know, I don't know which Old Testament scripture he may have quoted. But I know this. He said this, you must be born again. I believe he said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that you can be saved. And I believe he said that whosoever will can be saved. And I, I, my dear friend, you need, we must major on the preaching of the word of God. It is eternal. It is eternal. The Word of God is not old. It is eternal. Now, I'm old. I've got friends that are old. I, I told Regina, I said, amazing how old my friends are. Roy Rigdon's going to be in camp meeting with us. Roy is 74, five years old now. Raymond Williams, my friend, I can remember when he and I were crawled on the altar around leading folk to Christ together. I can remember it. Not as infant babies. We were just crawling and praying. I can remember that. It seemed like yesterday that we were all full of vim and vigor, that we all young men on fire for Jesus and trying to do something for God. And can I say to you, I am especially blessed that those men who were raised in the fire with me are still at the stuff. They hadn't retired. They hadn't gone somewhere and got them a beach house. They're not just rambling around and wasting out. They're burning out for Jesus, for the glory of God. Because when you understand what it's all about, when you understand that he's the way, the truth, and the light, and without him, and you emphasize the preaching of the word of God, it's the word of God that makes the difference. It's not my thoughts. It's not your thoughts. It's not what I think, what you think. But it is the word of God that is eternal. 
It ever, it's ever alive. It's the truth that makes the difference. My dear friend, we must exalt not only the person of Christ, but we must emphasize the message of Christ. It is a message of good news. It's, it's the message that God loves us and that Jesus Christ died for us. Notice what it says over in chapter 1, verse 14. Now, after that John was put in the prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time, is, uh, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's the preaching of Christ, that men must turn from their sin and must turn to the Savior. He preached the word. He preached that tr truth to them. Preach, look, look at verse number 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught them. He preached the word of God. And the preaching of the word of God is with authority. It's not because of the messenger. It's because of the message. It, it, it's the truth that's preached that has the authority in it. It is the word of God. And that's the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and preach the word of God with authority and thank God for it. And he said in that same chapter I'm reading to you now in chapter two, he preached the word to them. It's the Bible. That's why we, we, like, we teach the Bible. That's why we preach the Bible because the Bible is what makes the difference. It's, it transforms lives. Many of you are doing like I'm doing. You've been reading through the word of God and I've just finished all the Old Testament and going through the New Testament now. And God, the Holy Spirit, over and over again, as I read the Word of God, He speaks to my heart, gives me something true from the Word of God. My dear friend, listen, it's the Word of God. And if, you, if we're going to have the house filled, we've got to exalt the person of Christ. But we've got to emphasize the preaching of Christ. And that is repentance, believing the gospel, and the preaching of authority, and the Word of God, the teach, the truth of the Word of God has to be taught. But now notice the last thing, and I'll, I'll finish up here in a minute. Notice the last thing. Not only uh, do we exalt the person of Christ and not only do we preach uh, the preaching of Christ, the word of God, but if you're going to see, we're going to keep the house filled. We have to experience the power of Christ. And that's demonstrated for us in this story. He said, as he spoke to that man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then they, there was a murmuring and complaining. He's speaking blasphemy. God alone can forgive sin. They didn't realize Jesus Christ was God. But he said, which is easier, to say I forgive sin or to raise this paralyzed man? Which one? And he said, but you might know that the Son of God hath power to forgive sin. And he says to that man, rise, take up your bed and walk. He's got power. And my dear friend, it's not a power that we teach about. It has to be a power that we experience. You've got to experience in your own life to know it and to know the deliverance. My heart's burdened right now. For some family situations and people who are captive to habits that God can deliver them from if they'll look to him. If they'll just turn to him, he's able to deliver and set free. He's able to do that. He has power. We must, we must experience that power. Certainly the power of salvation. He said, I can forgive sin. I, I can do that. But as I look through this little story, just two or three things about his power. I, I believe he has power to press men in the service. Here are some men who came bringing their loved one. Now, this is not just a, a whim for them. They've got a guy that needs some help. And they're not going to let the crowd or physical building or anything keep them from getting their loved one to the Savior. How is it they decided to do that? 
why you say, well, they heard about him and they knew the friend's sick and they just decided that. You can say that if you want to, but I got an idea that the Holy Ghost of God orchestrated every bit of this. I got an idea it was that holy compulsion to say, hey, let's get a corner and take him. Let's just pick him up and take him. I got an idea that God pressed them into service. Paul said, it's the love of Christ that constraineth us. He said, the Holy Spirit of God forbeared me. The Holy Spirit of God bore me. It's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God can press you in the service. God's Spirit's moving in your heart. And that's why, that's why somebody want to get out there and get on a motor grade and run it all day long, on a backhoe and run it all day long. That's why somebody wants to get on their knees and scrub in a bathroom floor. That's the Holy Ghost of God. He can press men and women into the service. He moves like that. That's his power. Without him, we could do nothing. Without him, listen, not only could we not do anything, but you know what? We, without him, we would do nothing. We wouldn't do nothing. If we didn't have the power of God pressing us and moving us, we never would. He stirs us. He says to that church at Antioch, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. He said, I'm pressing them. And it's the power of God that can press men into the service. But it's also the power of God that can pardon sin. Can pardon sin. He says it in this passage of Scripture. The Son of Man has power to forgive sin. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? I know John Edwards would. Christ can pardon and forgive all of your sin. Nobody else can. Nobody else can. He is a holy God. And he died to save sinners. And he has power to forgive sin. I don't have it. Nobody else has it. There's no qualifying to that. It doesn't say a big sin, little sin. It doesn't say this sin he'll forgive, that sin he won't forgive. He said, I've got power to forgive sin. It's not a limit on it. He didn't say I can forgive this many sins, but not this many sins. He, He doesn't say I can forgive this white man's sin and not forgive the black man's sin. He doesn't say I can forgive the American sin, but maybe not the Russian sin. I, I, can forgive the, I can forgive the Filipino sin, but I couldn't forgive the, the Islamic sin. Oh, he didn't say that at all. He can forgive any sin from any man anywhere. He's got the power to do that. And he's got a, a power to make brand new. Once you come and forgive, you say, Brother Billy, you don't know what I've done. I don't have any clue what you've done. But God does. And can I give you, tell you something? The Bible said in 1 Peter that he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Did you know that before you ever even came in this building this morning, before you ever woke up this morning, before you ever were born, he knew you. And he knew every sin you'd ever commit. And when Jesus Christ died on that cross, he paid for all of your sin. That's why he has the power to forgive your sin. Because that sin he's already died for on the cross. The penalty has been paid. And he can forgive it. He can write it off. It, it, is, it is not just what we consider a governmental pardon. It's what the term is, the expungement of your guilt. In other words, you can be pardoned and still have it on your record that it was there. But if it's expunged, 
it's gone. And did you know that right now today that Jesus Christ can forgive and he will forget and it'll be gone, never to be remembered against you anymore. Hallelujah for that. Now, if that's ever happened, you, you ought to have at least smiled. I really thought somebody would have said amen or run somewhere. Thank God, y'all must not have been mean as I was. But God forgave me every one of them. And thank God he had power to do that. Mama couldn't do that. Mama did love me. Daddy loved me. But they, none of them could do for me what Jesus did for me. He forgave all of my sin and made me a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Can I say he'll do the same thing for you? He's got power to do that. He's got power to press men into the service. He's got power to pardon men of their sin. He's got power to purge you of any sickness. Here's a man that he heals. Do I believe God can heal? Absolutely. Do I believe God can heal terminal cancer? Absolutely. How does he decide who to heal and who not? I have no idea. I know I no idea. Well, you say, well, don't you think if people really get right with God, everybody would be healed? No. No. Because if you read the Bible, you'll find out that there were a lot of good people in the Bible who died. And some of them died horrible deaths, executions. If you came and saw the living Lord's Supper, every one of those men, the closest uh, disciples that Jesus Christ had, Every one of them died horrible deaths except for one. He was boiled in oil. His body was disfigured and he lived the rest of his life in that disfigured body. The Bible said that many were sown asunder. Good people. A lot of people have those tough times. Boy, listen, I heard a song when we, uh, when, the, when uh, Tim Green was here. He sang that song. They sang that song, The Cost of the Call. If you were here, you heard him tell the story about that. God's people do suffer. And I don't know how he decides who to heal and not to heal, but I know this. I'll believe with all of my heart that he can heal anything and anybody. He's got power to do that. I can testify I've seen him do it over and over again. I thank God he can. He's got power to heal. But can I say something else? That he's, he's got power to puzzle the religious crowd. Notice what it says in this passage of Scripture and immediately... He's talking about the man who was infirmed. Immediately he arose and took up his bed and went forth from them, uh, from them all insomuch that they were amazed. Boy, he's got power to puzzle. You know, what we need to do is pray for God to do something at Benson Grove Baptist Church that we cannot explain. I, I'll be honest with you. I've already seen it a bunch of times. Can you explain to me how this building is sitting here on this piece of property? Can you explain to me how in tough economic times, and we don't have very many millionaires in this church, maybe one or two that I, I pick at all the time. They may not be millionaires. Most of them, both of them's married as far as I know. <laughs> a fellow said one time, wouldn't it be good to have all the money you wanted? He said, it'd be really good to have all the money my wife wanted How do you explain this? How do you explain this building? How do you explain everything's paid for? I don't have a clue. That's good, isn't it? It's amazing grace. He puzzled them. That folk in this community, look around here, they can't figure this out. 
and, and really they don't understand why there's churches all over this country today who won't have 20 people in it. And yet we've got folk all over this building today. And, and it's not, we've got great singing. And certainly not because of the preaching, but we've got great singing. But why is it? It's, he's still got power to puzzle people, to, to amaze them. And this, I tell you, in this hour, God can still amaze a community if God's people want to seek Him with all their heart and pray and believe that God can. And things that will be so amazing, it'll get the attention of God's people. He has power to puzzle men. But can I say something to you? He has power that will produce praise and glory. I'm going to tell you right now, he can do that. I'm not talking about something manufactured up, worked up, human. I'm talking about the real. I'm talking about the real. Miss Frances Boone sitting down here. She's been real quiet while I'm a preaching. But there's been days she won't so quiet. There's been days when God moved down at Bemis Road Baptist Church, and I seen that little lady. She'd shout like a Comanche Indian. God moving. Why well, you say, well, that's not dignified. But she's got a boy sitting beside her and a daughter-in-law who given their life to Christ because Timmy too has seen it to where it amazed and God produced glory and God produced praise. It wasn't manufactured, it wasn't worked up, just God moved in. If you ever experienced that one time, you'll be longing for it. You can't hardly wait to get back to it. And I pray God to do that for us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ever ask or think. In order to keep the house filled, we must emphasize the person of Christ. We must expound or em- emphasize the preaching of Christ. And we must experience the power of Christ. Why is it we don't have much of that? I, as I was praying over this message, I was asking God, God, help me. God, this morning, I pray, this, when I get preached Sunday morning, I pray, God, that your presence will be there and your power will be there. I pray, God, you'll give you anointing. God, I pray that somebody will experience your power. I pray that somebody who's bound by sin and bound by some habit can experience the delivering power of Christ to forgive and to save. I pray that some person who's been down, defeated, discouraged. I got a phone call from one of our members while I was gone and, and said that she went to a place and, and there was a song sung that had the truth of God in it. It wasn't, it wasn't the music, it wasn't the lyrics, it wasn't the way it was sung. It was the truth that was in it that did something special. And I know that God can use songs and the music and the message as long as it's a biblical message. But it was the message that God used. It was the truth in it that God used. And God can do the same thing for you today. You can experience that power. I want to see you experience that power of deliverance, that power of encouragement, that power to press you in the service. I can't do anything. And be honest with you, I wouldn't do anything. If, if, I, if I had my way a lot of time, I'd have me a cricket bucket big as a five-gallon <laughs> barrel and two brim busters in both hands. That's what I'd love to do. I'd love it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But there's a reason that God just keeps pressing. I think we're getting close to the end. 
And I want to see so desperately for you to experience the presence and power of God and somebody get saved for the glory of God. God will do that for you. God will make a difference in your life. God will change you drastically if you'll yield to him. Experience his person, his person. Know his person, exalt his person, emphasize his preaching, but experience his power. You can know that power today. 